back double feature. Ah, sixer. Two friends, two movies, and too much to drink. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. Hey, there you guys are. Welcome back, everybody. It's a new season of Six Pack Double Feature. Today, the guys are kicking off season five with a pair of retellings. It's Memoirs of an Invisible Man and Hollow Man. Nathan, sweet trans. This week on Six Pack Double Feature. You can put six packs of soda in here. Send them a message and going, look, you owe us this in back rent, and you can pay it and you can get your stuff. <laughs> Or we're gonna, you know, sell we're gonna shit. sell your shit. And yeah. so he lost, yeah, he lost all of his CD collection, his <laughs> movie collection. He had all like D and D books and stuff, like a ton of shit that he left there. We sold stuff to like all of our friends. Like, you want to come over and check out what he's got? Want to buy whatever? <laughs> Yard sale. Yeah. And that kids is why you don't fuck Nathan over on rent. <laughs> Welcome to it. It's six pack double feature. I am Travis. And I'm Nathan. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we are, season opener. <laughs> Talking about stuff I didn't realize you were recording. I uh, hope you guys had a good whatever sort of off-season we've had here uh, since uh, since the Pick 6 went away back in the, back in the summer. Um, as we record this, it is January of 2021. Hopefully brighter <laughs> days have been ahead and are still coming. Still kind of looking, not forward, but... Looking ahead, they're going, it's probably going to be a weird year this year, too. It's going to be a weird, yeah. Uh, it started off weird for uh, Jamie and myself. We had to say goodbye to our dog, Rockford. Uh, he, he got sick and had to go to sleep, and he uh, he pretty well fucking dashed our dry January about halfway through it. So it wasn't his fault. Could have not, but can pick back up in February. So cheers to you, buddy. Cheers to Rockford. Cheers to Rockford. Uh, happier note, we are back with an all-new season of... Paired movies and hopefully funny <laughs> jokes and, and you know rent uh, rent strategies. We <laughs> we uh, we've kind of retooled our our uh, dude. Yeah, we re, we retooled. We okay. talk a lot to begin with, and so we retooled a lot of the and things a, that we brought up. Going, let's get you, rid of this. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, let's combine you, these. A lot of you guys said streamline it a little bit more. Like we like to have it like be at least an hour and some change because it's two movies. Yeah. We figured out that recasting was almost like a magic wand, and magic wand was you could recast. So it's we're doing one, either, either or. or now. Yeah, uh, Nathan, I didn't fight him on this. Uh, he wanted to move. Does it still hold up to earlier in the show? So don't get jarred by that. It's weird for me. You'll get used to it. What uh, What are our two movies? Two today, invisible Nathan? peas in a pod. Jamie Jamie said it in the opening title crawl, but in case they weren't paying attention, we're doing a John Carpenter's. Although you notice it's not there, John Carpenter's memoirs of an invisible man. I did. Uh, I he can't have that because it's, uh, it's not his. I feel like we're going to get into that in trivia uh, here or there, but we're doing. We open like we every open every season with a Carpenter movie, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> Good, bad, or this one? Uh, good, bad, or this one? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and the second one is Hollow Man. But our other special treat that we added is: Can you summarize this movie in yes. two sentences? Two sentence summary. And if do it, you want to give it now, or you want to give it after the trailer? No, I have it. I have it. Is okay. I have cool. A thing. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's check out this trailer. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Critics call it entertaining, witty, morning, morning, clever, and funny. I want my molecules back. Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah are magic. Let's not do anything cheap and meaningless. Okay, what do I owe you? A must.
must see. Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, rated PG-13. So the first thing in my notes is uh, when when I first saw this, uh, I saw it like right when it came out on video. Uh, uh, I was the same guy. So I kind of wrote that one down that I, I probably been, rented it I been in 12 93. Or yeah, I would have been 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, based on this trailer or the other one I, that I saw, I thought it was going to be funny. And they claim in that trailer that it is funny. Yeah. But the music makes you makes it seem like it's Fucking serious. Batman. Yeah. And it's not funny either. No. Uh, it sure isn't. It's got some <laughs> moments. It's but, got some attempted moments. Yeah. I, what was really funny when I first started this going, oh, I, I honestly got like weirdly film nerd-like excited when I started this movie going, all right, I get to hear a new like John Carpenter score. And then- Had you never seen this before? Uh, it had been so long. Oh, at said, the time, yeah, I at that time, I wouldn't have paid attention to that. And then I'm like only to find out that he didn't compose the music for this movie. And it was funny because as I- waited for the credits to show his name. I thought that the music seemed a little too complex for what he normally does. Yeah. And then it said music by Shirley Walker. And it all made sense going, oh, he didn't do the music. He, I feel like, and hopefully we get to this in your trivia or somewhere else. He was castrated to do what he could do in this movie. I feel like he was handed this, this movie the way Tim Burton was with Planet of the Apes. I feel, maybe, I feel like he was, I feel more Tim Burton's, touch in in that movie than this one it doesn't feel like uh, no other than when like the the government quote-unquote shows up with the helicopters and yeah everything, a little bit it's very uh, escape from new york oh that was one kind of shot that made that remind me from escape from new from new york when the helicopter kind of yep. goes by yep. the and the they've buildings. got the little, the little digi uh the little digital fucking readout of the street I yes guess. but <sighs> watching this one it felt strange because, like, the studio br- wanted to bring in just a cookie-cutter director. You know That's, what I mean? Yeah, I do. Okay? And so, like, when people will record an album, you know, they need studio musicians. They don't necessarily need... Eric Clapton. Yeah. Gotcha. They need... I need Joe Blow here who can play the guitar. Let's bring him in so he can play the guitar for my album. He's not necessarily a part of my band. That's what it felt like Carpenter directing this movie. Yeah. It didn't feel like a Carpenter film I see what at you're all. Not at all. No. And I think you, you hit it on the head. It doesn't feel like that because his score isn't there. Yeah. And that's why I, 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 I mean, can't come as off. dumb and minimalistic as it is, that's part of. That's what his. makes his movies his movies. You also didn't see like his signature like font for this movie mm-hmm. either. I, um, I, there's a name for that font, and I looked it up a while ago, and I'll be honest with you, now bringing it up, I feel dumb, because I don't know what the name of the font is, and I'm sure if you look up John Carpenter font, you will find what that is called. Times New Roman? <laughs> Wingdings? <laughs> now listen to this song by the Coupe de Villes. No, I'm kidding. It was... Uh, Albertus, Albertus is the name okay. of the font. I had to do it. Um, I had to, man. I Like I said, there was a scene in one of the trailers where it's like the scene... Where he puts on the hat mm-hmm. and he's running through the the building. Like yes. when he first puts on the hat to make, like what the fuck's going on. And it's in the trailer and the hat the front of the hat's all flipped up and it looks all fucking zany and shit. Right. And I'm like, oh Chevy Chase is in a new funny movie where he's invisible. Awesome. I'm gonna rent this. And my mom was like, I don't think you're gonna like that. And I was like, what do you know? You, you don't Whatever. know anything, you mom. Don't, you don't know what I like. Sure, mom. And I <laughs> and I rented it, and boy, was she wrong. I liked the movie, but 
boy, was I wrong too. Wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, well, let me just get into my two sentence summary. All right, that might be a little long, but <laughs> uh, my two sentence summary for Memoirs of an Invisible Man. <clears throat> John Carpenter and Chevy Chase likely bump heads while creating an under-the-radar early 90s sci-fi classic. Mildly funny. Okay. You're a little liberal with the word classic. Classic for me. I love this movie. Okay. I always have. Okay. Um, I don't... Like, I get why why people might not like it. it I didn't... I did not like it. Don't get... Don't misunderstand me. But it was... I... Uh, man... <laughs> it, the movie... I, I put down here the film is totally challenged. It's like it sort of wants to be a comedy. Like 48 hours. It's sort of. Not nearly. But as, not as racist. Uh, <laughs> no. Not at all. Uh, the other observation when when watching this, and don't get me wrong, I, I like Daryl Hannah. I tend to find Daryl Hannah relatively flat. Uh, yeah. Verbally, anyway. Otherwise, she's, <laughs> she's quite curvy. Yes. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't dislike her. I I just don't think she has a ton That's, of range. No, and no, I know no, why they cast her. You know, and we know why they cast her. We all. She's great in Kill Bill. Yeah, but she's, she's a, had time to. And she's much older and yeah. more seasoned as a as a star yeah. uh, as an actress in Kill Bill. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about another movie that I grew up watching that I next week love Daryl Hannah in and. She's in one of my favorite movies. She's in uh, Roxanne, but yeah, her, that too. She's very one or two note. Like I, I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. That's no, just, she's a fucking better actress than I am. You know. <laughs> but then my other observation after after that was this is the least Carpenter esque John Carpenter film I think I've ever seen. Absolutely. <laughs> I do. I love how it just starts in progress, almost like a noir movie. It starts like a noir movie. It I, made I, me think of Double Indemnity when he yeah. goes to record his thing before he dies or, or whatever, and so uh, here he's recording his story. There's a lot of... Let me show you the bubblegum. Like, yeah, that was I cool, though. I don't want to get into the visual effects yet, but, I mean, fuck. Why not? Well, we're the not... Visual effect, they're noticeable now. But they're still pretty solid. They're ILM. Yeah, I saw yeah, them yeah. at the end. Yeah, so... I remember, I remember having an ILM book back in the '90s. It was this thick, and it had all of all like a lot of the big movies, and not always big movies sure. that they worked on. And that was one of them, along with like Ghostbusters and Pretty in Pink. Yeah, you know. <laughs> all right, exactly. <laughs> and so, I mean, a, a lot of the wouldn't it be funny if in Pretty in Pink, when he pulls up the underwear, when he pulls them up, they ignite like a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Was Pretty in Pink the one with the underwear, or are you thinking of 16 Candles? 16 Candles. Either way. Ah, John Hughes. Yeah. John Hughes. Molly Ringwald's underwear. I, I did like the fact that the movie presents more thoughts or challenge uh, on the challenges of being invisible that I don't think most movies address. I, I, I remember uh, that, too. And I will give that credit because, you know, since no one can see you walking around on the streets and on the sidewalks, I would think that would present a challenge. What I thought was dumb is... I know where my mouth is, whether my eyes are open or closed, sure. and I can or can't see my hand. I'm pretty sure I can figure out how to put food into it in my mouth. Yeah. And, and when he talks about- So when he grabs the tongs and he's just like, I'm like, come on, man. That was an excuse for Chevy Chase. To yes. Chevy Chase thing. Uh, the other thing is like, 
dude, if it if it makes you nauseated to see the food in your stomach when you eat, just go find another garment and put it on. Yeah. And wear Obviously, you're wearing clothes that also got invis- invisible, so when they show shots of Chevy Chase, he's not running around right. buck naked. Yeah. So I get that, but... This is easily like a every couple of years movie for me. I have okay. To, I have to put enough space between me and it to forget a lot of the things that happen in it. Uh-huh. Like, I know the gist of the story, obviously. Right. But the what nuances there are in this movie uh, and scenes and such, I have to well, I have to let enough maybe maybe sometimes even four or five years pass before I watch it again. But it's it's a good it's a good movie and I do I do get back to it. No, when I sent you a text message, I said I didn't hate the I didn't hate the, I don't hate this movie. Yeah. You know you said not hating this actually. Yeah. I'm like I'm not hating this or, you know, I don't hate this movie. This is not this was not as bad as I was expecting. And you know, when I told Lisa later, I was just like it was satisfactory. She was like, yeah, but is that what you really wanted? Is that a good compliment? I'm like, it's not a bad one, though. It was. I was satisfied with watching it, but it wasn't. It didn't knock my socks off, you know? Well, what doesn't work? There's there's a lot that doesn't work, but I've got... My, I, I didn't go nitpicking for me. I just said uh, the film struggles with tone. I think it, it, it's sometimes lighthearted, but it's not really funny. And I think that's the film's biggest problem. But I, when it tries I really to be, didn't want to nitpick. When it tries to be funny, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't You just hang. get traces of Chevy Chase's yeah, his stuff doesn't comedic, yeah. and it doesn't always hit. Yeah. Um, almost like he was not really trying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, what doesn't work for me, though, is – and it's okay because they, just, they needed to just get going. But it's like, dude, I've spilled soda or coffee on my phone before, and nothing happens. This dude spills half a cup of coffee into a keyboard – and turns half of the building invisible. <laughs> yeah, like what a wacky. That's a straight up nineties. That, yeah, that's a nineties ass way around to get. We got to get him invisible. How are we going to get him invisible? Is he a scientist? No, he needs to be an everyman. Well, also, what if he's sleeping in a sauna? Okay, is the sauna magical? No, fucking nerd spills his coffee into his nerd machine. <laughs> Chevy Chase is invisible. Bang. I don't know. It was this just nerd machine. <laughs> It's a computer, sir. I don't care, nerd. <laughs> Shut up, nerd. Nerds. But I mean, I don't really, I don't really mind it because, you, like I said, you got to get him invisible. And how he got invisible isn't the point. But if you're going to show how he got invisible, make it better than that. That's what didn't work for me. Uh, what do you have? Um, a favorite line or a favorite scene? Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I called that shit lazy writing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, the next thing will be, does it still hold up? I couldn't really answer that one honestly. And the reason why I can't answer it honestly is because I really didn't remember what when, took place. When had you seen it last? 1993 when oh, I rented it wow. on VHS. So 30 I wrote ago. unclear. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, how old were you when you saw this? Unclear. This wasn't one that I watched. Uh, uh, this wasn't one that I would have watched throughout like high school or something. Um, it may have been rented once, probably in 93, soon after the VHS was available. I have next to no memory of the first time I saw this movie. Wow. Um, I just had glimpses does of... Does his voiceover sound like he just did it once? Yeah. There's no... It sounds stiff. Yeah. For me, it definitely still holds up. Um, the visuals hold up, and the story... The visuals probably, hold up pretty The well. story's probably gotten better over time. Yeah. Rather than It's a good solid story. I mean, it's a little rushed in some spots, like mm-hmm. they're trying to make him a super spy. Like, no, Sam Neill wants to make him a super spy or yeah, kill him, one yeah, or the other. Yeah. Make up your mind. I like that it's offbeat. 
and mm-hmm. kind of out in left field a little bit, and that's right. you know that's kind of right up my alley. A little slow in spots, but an, uh, overall, it's a quick movie. Yeah, it's like an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. Yeah, it's a real Friday night movie. Yeah, really, to be honest with it you, it is a Friday night movie. I, I saw c- that it wasn't based on the H.G. Wells book. It was based on no. another book. That, it was based off of a novel that was published in the eighties. Um, the effects now and some of them are kind of lame. And you can tell one was the one was an obvious nod to the original Invisible Man with the bandage over the head. I thought yeah, that was that, that was, was cool. That was great. I yeah. love that. The bubblegum thing, fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, um, but I'm sure a lot of it was practical, and then a lot of it. No, the was the island. weirder woodsy scene was the one that probably was harder for Chase to shoot because he had to wear like these glass blue glass uh contact lenses so they could do his face but his eyes would be hollow and you could see through them um that that scene there when she puts the makeup on that doesn't hold up very well okay to me but that's just what it looks a little yeah it just looks a little it looks too cgi ish yeah compared to other things back then though yeah oh i'm sure it was pretty astounding fucking pretty sharp yeah but yeah for me it still holds up so you asked a favorite line or favorite scene I like the scene of him running through the town square after he meets the doctor, and he's all bundled up asking for yes. change. The little strip tease he does running through there. <laughs> he's pulling his pants down when he's running at the end. Yeah, fucking looks great. Yeah, it, still it does. Looks, it still looks great. I cool. want my molecules back. That's a dumb, dumb, dumb line. That's dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> More than just molecules, man, but I guess. It, I really could There wasn't really a line in it. Uh, so it was. I had one. There, I, I have the. I have two things written down that specifically, purposefully made me laugh out loud. Um, one was a line, and the other one was a visual gag. The line is one of uh, Jenkins. Jenkins is the character played by uh, Sam Neill. Yep. Um, his, one of his team members, when they're pushing him off on the uh, on the gurney <laughs> towards the beginning of the movie, when he first becomes invisible, is his first place. First place he's going is some lab. They'll be cutting up on this guy and shoving tubes up his ass for years. What? What? <laughs> I don't know why. It just... You know who says that? Do you know who the actor is that says that? No. It's fucking... Now that I say it, it's not. I thought it was Brad from Superman 3. No, it's not It's Brad. not. It's a guy I recognize from an episode of Briscoe County Jr. But the only other thing that I really enjoyed, specifically enjoyed, was the sight gag of Chase running up the stairs in George's summer home. When George and Daryl and all of them show up, yeah, and he's had to strip down to his bare ass because he's wearing dude's pants, right? And he's covering his junk and he's standing there in the room, yeah. And that that one got the biggest laugh out of me for because it's unexpected because yeah. he opens the door because he thinks someone's been in the house or, like, or something like that, and you're like, <laughs> why would he? Why would he be covering his junk? No one can see it. It's a joke. I. Yes, I get, I get it. it. No one can see his penis. You know, it's you know invisible. Who, you know who wouldn't stand there with his junk covered? Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Well, we, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I do like, for whatever reason, he was handcuffed or whatever. Little little flashes of John Carpenter-ishness pop through in the movie every now and again. Okay. Typically, they're shots. Uh, like when the government, like those helicopter landing shots, those... Well, typically involves a helicopter now that I think of it, but those like night those night shots, right? Those remind me of John Carpenter. Okay, I especially can see the ones that. where the government shows up and everything, and little flashes of Chevy Chase pop through, but they're not. It's like he's sick. You know what I mean? 
Right. Uh, and he's just not 100%. He's not, he's not feeling well. Yeah. I'm just or not 100%, man. He was, I believe at this time, maybe he was getting sober at this point. Maybe. And he could have just been like an asshole. I know he's always been an asshole. Yeah. Not to me. Never met him. What I didn't know is I did not know that he actually knew, he knows how to play piano. Oh, yeah. So that's him playing. Yeah. And it looked like it, like yeah. he knew what he was doing. That's and apparently, touches like that. Now, I don't know the name of the school he went to, but the school that he went to, he actually, uh, he was in a band with the other two guys that ended up forming... Um, Metallica. Uh, no, the jazz rock band. Um, Desky Martin and Wood. No, stop. Ricky, don't lose my number. Um, Ely Dan. Thank you. Goodness gracious. I'm glad I didn't write that down so I couldn't reference it later. <laughs> but apparently that was the band that he was with. Not Steely Dan, but a band that he had formed with those two guys who later formed Steely Dan. Wow. Do you know what Steely Dan uh, was named after? Mm-mm. Named after band is named after a dildo <laughs> in the book, I believe, Naked Lunch. There's, it makes sense. There's a dildo called a Steely I think it's Naked Lunch. It's called a Steely Dan. The other weird <laughs> observation that... <sighs> Who was the guy that was in their group, Richard, the one that was there with George and his wife? And- you mean the one that talks like this, Nathan? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he plays that guy in every movie he's in. Yeah, I-, I wrote, I'm like, who was the douche in the ascot with the deep voice? And so I looked it up, and apparently he's a British actor. His name is Gregory Paul Martin, and he's the eldest son of Beatles producer George Martin. Oh, I'm trying to think now. It was it? distractingly deep. And his felt voice fake. Was, his voice was weird, yeah. It was a bad cast, in my opinion. <laughs> Although when he got pants, that was funny. That was shit. <laughs> Classic Chevy. <laughs> um, you and I talked earlier, we just because. But because. Uh I just know that you didn't recast this movie, nor did I. We both went magic wand. Uh-huh. Ooh, what's yours? What's your magic wand? My magic wand is have Goldman rewrite the film once more, but make the lead character Irwin Fletch Fletcher and make it a sequel. There, I solved the film's problem. (laughs) (laughs) I went in a very similar route. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Um, Have you ever seen Nothing But Trouble? Uh, Probably the same time that I saw this movie back in the mid-90s. Mine would be make him like a, uh, not a a, uh, Chandler-esque character, but make it a sequel to Nothing But Trouble. He's the same character. Uh, and he sort of gets into these half-assed modernish twists on old sci-fi or okay. old horror movies, but with Chevy Chase's tone to it. So he'd be the same character from Nothing But Trouble, but he's now, he's invisible. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Like he wouldn't go meet the wolf man, but he might like be... Drive by his house? Yeah, just to see if he's home. <laughs> <laughs> He would go to meet the Wolfman, but he'd get nervous and keep driving. <laughs> I just you know, left like him a would, note. Like he'd somehow get super hairy or something, you know? He'd there'd be some like plastic surgeon pulling some weird shit, and it'd be like a Frankenstein esque thing. Wouldn't really be a vampire, but I don't know. I think that could be fun. Very similar to very similar to what you did. Um, I figured you were going to go right in that direction, but yeah. I figured after you made that one of your wishes for. Uh, I think last year when we covered Beverly uh, Hills Cop, yeah, where it was a crossover. Was yeah, that? it was a crossover. Yeah. No, um, I think I think it could be fun. It, it has that. It has that spirit, right? Where it can be, it could stretch out over two or three movies. So trivia, yes. 
Six-pack trivia. I have two sections of trivia. One is relatively small, and then one involves the original uh, screenwriter of the person who ad- adapted this book into a screenplay. Okay. Um, we'll go over the little stuff first. Uh, this was both, number one, a box office and critical failure. The mm-hmm. film's budget was around $40 million and grossed just over $14. Oh, yeah. Dollars. Uh, $14 million. Uh, this is John Carpenter's least favorite film. Hmm. Uh, he had constant interference with the studio executives, and they did not allow him much creative freedom. What studio? Uh, Warner Brothers. Okay. Uh, Carpenter claims that both Chase and Hannah were very difficult to work with, stating that they were nearly impossible to direct. Chase would often purposefully ruin entire takes, which immediately drove Carpenter crazy. Mm-hmm. I was right. Carpenter said that Chase and Hannah were immune to any punishment from the studio, and they knew it. So they walked over me and everyone else on set and essentially told us we'd be replaced if we had any problems with them. It was like working with your boss's snooty children who would tattle on you if you didn't bend to their every will. That's really shitty. Yeah. I didn't know she was an asshole. Either way. I only have one casting alternative. Okay. Uh, Kirstie Alley was considered for the role of Alice Moore because Chase was already attached to this movie. So those are the takes Chevy Chase wanted then. Yeah. Did you notice John Carpenter's cameo? No. He was a helicopter pilot. He's he's credited as a, a with a different name, but it's him. Okay. I caught it. I thought I caught it, and then I backed it up, and I watched it a second time. I'm like, yeah, that's him. And then I looked, and it gave a weird name. I'm like, that's not right. And then I looked up IMDb, and it just says credited under so-and-so. But, yeah, it was Carpenter's huh. okay. cameo. Chase found Goldwyn's script too comedic, Clark Griswold becoming invisible, and sought out screenwriters to rework it, reportedly to do something more serious with more adventure, eventually approaching Dana Olson and Robert Collector. Richard Donner was also attached to direct this movie for eight months. Like, for eight months, he was set to do this movie. How much did he get done? He didn't get any of it done. They never went into production, but he was attached for eight months. They wanted him because they knew he had experience with visual effects. But it was also something that made various other potential directors turn down the project because of either the visual effects that were involved or how many other directors had kind of been attached and at what the the project wasn't moving forward. Eventually, just someone suggested John Carpenter and Chase approved the idea. Like, you've seen Halloween, right? It's the same thing. What did he – so – I don't – 92, what had Carpenter, had, what had Carpenter done? The last that thing that uh, – <clears throat> I think Carpenter – the last thing Carpenter had done was – I think he was in the middle of some type of legal battle w- with something to do with They Live. Oh, yeah, because so that came he, out in 88. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But what I put down here now is oh. let's address the other elephant in the room. Uh, this movie has the name William Goldman attached as one of the screenwriters. And so to give a little backstory, he is a – legendary screenwriter in Hollywood. He was most known for writing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and All the President's Men and winning two Academy Awards for both of those screenplays. Uh, Other scripts he's written is A Bridge Too Far, Misery, adapted Stephen King several times, I think. Um, I think Misery is the best out of the lot of them. Yeah, sure. uh, For his adaptations. Chaplin, Maverick, and Absolute Power, among many several others. He's also been known as a script doctor. Basically, from about 1980 to 1985, no one called him for work. 
<clears throat> and this mostly had to do with his book because he's provided a very candid view, um, didn't pull any punches on Hollywood and how they typically treat the screenwriter. And so in 86, he's contacted by Michael Ovitz. He told Goldman that everyone thought his career was in the toilet and then he thought that his team at CAA, Creative Artists Agency, could help him. And he's handed the book Memoirs of an Invisible Man, a special effects comedy thriller. He thought he could make the novel work and with the talent that was attached to the project, being Chevy Chase and Ivan Reitman at the time, very big names in 1986. Yeah. Was that like supposed to be an answer to Ghostbusters, maybe? It was his next project. It was supposed to be his next Ghostbusters, a co- action comedy focused on visual effects. Okay. Chevy Chase in 1986 was the number five box office star in the world. Would you like to know who the other four are, going from four to one? Sure. I'll give you four guesses, and then I'll let you know if any of them are on there. Eddie Murphy. Number two. Kurt Russell. Nope. Richard Gere. Nope. Tom Cruise. Nope. Number four, Michael J. Fox. Ah, yes. Number three, Clint Eastwood. Eddie Murphy is number two. Number one, Sylvester Stallone. Still 1986, man. Uh, Goldman's experience as a screenwriter was that he typically works with the director on the overall vision of the film, not typically the stars. When Goldman met with Chase, he had expressed how he wanted his character to focus more on the loneliness of invisibility. To quote Goldman in his book, my director wanted to do a funny farce with special effects and my star wanted to do a serious sad drama. (laughs) Uh, He understood Chase's concern and addressed the loneliness of invisibility, but he also knew who was playing the lead and specifically said in the book, I had no problem investigating the loneliness of invisibility. I just didn't want to investigate it with Chevy Chase. (laughs) In 86, they never paid him for his work. For three drafts. Dick move. Uh, Eventually, a settlement was made, but according to Goldman, it wasn't even remotely fair. So, yeah, that's the interesting backstory of kind of the shit a writer goes through. So I called it. I knew knew there was headbutting. Yeah. I thought from the trailer it was going to be a thrill a minute wacky fucking plane ride, and it's not. No. It's, like you said, it's not bad. It's just not what they well they don't know how to describe what it is and they don't want to give you enough credit to just watch it on your own and make your own make your own judgment i guess right um it could use a bit of a pep up and i think it would be interesting to see what it looked like if it was wholly a carpenter movie with chevy chase i i, I don't think it would have chevy chase if it were a whole wholly a carpenter no movie. so he's yeah. satisfactory yeah he's <laughs> as merely, an actor he's merely adequate <laughs> chevy chase Um, Yeah, Chevy Chase in the role just it's it's an odd choice and based on all the shit you just said I see why and I see why it ended up panning out the way it did it's kind of nice to see him low key yeah but he doesn't he's not he doesn't excel low key do you remember do you remember the SNL I believe it was the 15th anniversary probably don't they were reading like fan letters and no it might have been when Chevy Chase came back to host and he was doing the monologue and he went to answer some fan quote unquote fan letters. Right. And they all just were saying like, it's great, Chevy. Just get to the fall. Come on, Chevy. Just cut, <laughs> cut to the fall. That's what everybody wanted to see with this. But I, I, I don't mind him trying. He just, you know, you're never. Gonna... I don't think this was the right vehicle if you wanted to do something. No. Because from what I read is Memoirs of an Invisible Man isn't a bad movie. I don't necessarily think it's a good movie. <laughs> um, and like I said before, I think at best it's satisfactory. It has some fun things about it. 
but the true struggle of the film is that it can't, it couldn't find the right tone. Yep. Um, I think what bothers me most about the film is that there's no distinctive Carpenter flavor anywhere throughout the entire film. The film feels too generic like anyone could have directed it. Carpenter's directorial fingerprints are sorely miss it, missing. It's almost like they're invisible. <laughs> but if you're seeking this movie out because the name of either John Carpenter or Chevy Chase are attached, don't, don't expect too much. I mean, the timing of the release and the age I was when it came out, and I didn't, I didn't know from John Carpenter or anything right. back then. But Same I just here. I just saw I loved Daryl Hannah and I loved Chevy Chase and I like weird movies and it hit me just just rightly enough at the right time. It's like one of those like where if it's like if you like this, there's a seventy percent chance you might like this. That's where I'm at with this. Like I seventy percent like. Was it weird seeing Ned Ryerson in that role? (laughs) Ned. I thought it was kind of funny that he was sort of of a badass. Yeah. Didn't do anything bad for uh, Sam Neill. He had a big fucking year the next year. Yeah, he had a big year, and then he did another Carpenter movie, uh, In the Mouth of Madness. I've not seen that. I've seen it ages ago. It'll be fun to revisit it at some point in time. Season 10. (laughs) Who knows? soon. It's very um, H.P. Lovecraft-esque. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about Kevin Bacon's Invisible Hog. Here goes nothing. What you can see may frighten you. But on August 4th... Sebastian, are you in here? You have no idea how much fun this is. What you can see will terrify you. It's amazing what you can do when you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror anymore. Hollow Man. This film is not yet rated. Opens August 4th. Um, This film will be rated R. We just haven't rated it yet. don't have the slightest idea where to start with this. I you want to just jump to the number of times his dick is on screen in some Did you count it? Yeah. Did, <laughs> did you have the penis count count count? Oh man, I just knew I was gonna screw that one up. The penis count meter is what I was trying to get out. <laughs> the Peter meter. The Peter meter. <laughs> the uh, Peter meter five thousand. <laughs> the hog meter. Uh wiener count is ten. Ten times? That's uh, I just some, knew. I, 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 I I'll no, be honest. I got to the point where I, I notated was, the different versions. I didn't notate how many times I saw it. It could be more. Uh, I got to a point when I was specifically looking for Kevin Bacon's dick, and I thought, that's probably not the point of this movie. So I'm going to. I just did the elements. Not elements. <laughs> like if there was a flappy dong on screen or like dong. A different forms is I what I had. Yeah. Like, you know, how water is liquid. <laughs> Or it's gaseous, or it's frozen. Invisicock. It's solid here. Um, there was the muscle tissue penis that you saw <laughs> at least a couple of times. Uh huh. There was the thermal imaging penis, uh-huh. and then there was obviously the invisible water penis. <laughs> Twice, Ob- obviously. Once, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Do you think that someone with at Sony Picture ImageWorks was dedicated to animating his dick? <laughs> Johnson, John, <laughs> that vein doesn't look uh, realistic enough. Let's get that. Uh, Hold on, sir. Re-render that, please. Hun, what'd you do at work today? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, babe, it's important. Remember, you know, Doctor Smith said we should talk about our day. Richard Johnson, come on. I had to talk to your wife. I had to tell me. Re-render <laughs> Kevin Bacon's penis. What? I had to re-render Kevin Bacon's penis. <laughs> talk about Footloose. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or, hello, man. Okay, that's done. 
How old were you the first time you saw this? I don't think I saw this in the theater. Um, I think that uh, I was probably 24, 25, probably rented it from Blockbuster. Blockbuster video. Wow, what a difference. I was, I think I saw it right after it came out, probably on Stars or whatever. I don't know that I watched the whole thing because watching this last night, I watched this just last night. I don't remember lots of it. Um, From last night's viewing? (laughs) Because you fell asleep halfway through? No, I didn't remember lots of it from my first viewing. The thing I remembered most is him being semi-translucent and chasing somebody around that lab and seeing his flappy cock 20-odd years ago. Well, 20 years ago, right after it came out. I'm sorry. What you drinking? Drinking Coors Banquet because, you know, Johnny Lawrence drank a lot of that in uh, Cobra Kai. (laughs) How does Cobra Kai connect to Hollow Man. I just watched a lot of Cobra Kai Elizabeth in January. Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth Shue does. We did the Kevin Bacon, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon with Cobra Kai and Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> Can I just do the Six Degrees of Elizabeth Shue? Sure. Instead? She's smoking hot in this movie. <sighs> that hair, She's always smoking though. hot. But she is. I love yeah, her. Yeah, but yeah. that hair is God, on anybody else. Not going to work? Immediate pass, but it's Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. How about see? Okay, I when, when, when I watched this one. Lisa watched this one, and when the dream sequence, when you don't know it's a dream sequence yet, and, and she's yeah. sleeping there with her windows open, and the the drapes are just blowing in, and she's like, "Come on!" When you know that your boss is a perv and he's invisible, why would you go to sleep with your windows wide open? And then, of course, it is a dream sequence. And what's the point of wearing that big long ass shirt with one button at the top buttoned? Because it still looks good either way. Oh, it's Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> it's Elizabeth Shue. And it's Paul Verhoeven. She's lucky she got away being able to wear that Just, much. yeah. I remembered it being dark and a violent. I've never really seen the original Invisible Man that a lot of these movies are pulling from. Um, but I know he I've goes. I've seen bits and pieces, but I know they're the, both like a nods, but. I, yeah, I know in the original Claude Rains, he goes he goes insane and. Correct. Becomes a monster from it. Something like that, yeah. Um but I don't believe the Claude Rains. Obviously, it wasn't this dark, and obviously, it wasn't this violent, and there definitely wasn't as much cock in it. <laughs> all the cock that was there, you just couldn't see it. It was all implied cock. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Hayes Code. You can't even imply cock with the Hayes Code, sir. Uh, 13 minutes in, and I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> I like how it almost took 30 minutes before you realized why are they working on making things invisible to begin with. It's like they went to the Seth Brundle School of Medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote down here, I said, uh, if you can't think enough of a science fiction word, then all you want to do is throw the word quantum in it. <laughs> It's true, though. Paps Blue Ribbon. We have quantum fermentation. It's yeah, no, it's a, it's a bunch of like buzzwords. It almost felt like it could have been like a TNT, like made for TV show, like a series starring Kevin Bacon. And yeah. You couldn't get Elizabeth Shue to the small screen. No. No way. I also hate you because I wanted to do the new Blumhouse Invisible Man that is really good with Elizabeth Moss. And you said specifically, no, no, let's hold off on, let's hold off on doing the newer stuff. And you went, how about Hollow Man? And I was like, how about <laughs> fuck you? Because I knew I was going to hate this movie. I didn't, I didn't go into it like that. I know you fuckers, especially you, Brock. I didn't go into it thinking I was going to hate this movie. You already knew it. <laughs> I went in like I'm doing with a lot of stuff. 
recently rewatched The Godfather Three because I thought, you know, fifteen odd years ago, the last time I rewatched it, the last time I watched it, I hated it. Guess what? And I thought, I'm forty now. Maybe my tastes have changed. I'm an older fella. Maybe I'll appreciate it on some other level. No, no, I was fucking right. Godfather Three sucks. I was also right. Hollow Man, turd. Yeah, that was the other observation that I. One of the other observations that I had here, <laughs> um, I said, well, well, it appears that Sebastian threw up with invisible vomit. I think that's a bit of a cheat. I would think the downside with being invisible is that anyone around you is going to be able to tell if you actually properly wiped your ass or not. <laughs> or do you now pinch off invisible turds? Huh. Because how, would you, how would you know you've wiped enough? Yeah, your friends. Walking behind you. Well, if but, they, I mean, I guess if you're not. You see a streak running down there. If you shower daily. I guess. But. Well, okay, here's a question. This kind of goes back to the Chevy Chase movie. If you eat, see the food. Well, yeah, you're constantly going to be seeing things in your bowels all the any, time. Any new thing you take in, right? Yeah. Like the smoke when he smoked a cigarette. Yeah. The food I felt like he didn't in. smoke at all until he was invisible, and then they smoked just to show off that visual effect. Sure. And same thing here. You take in food and you can see it, but you don't ever see it turn into poo. It's impl- it's implied poo because, especially after we have the haze code, remember anything anything that you have in your body at the time of invisibility is invisible. Anything after that that you put in is going to be visible forever. So we debunk these two movies right, right there. Uh, it makes more sense with the Elizabeth Moss one because it's a suit. It's a suit. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> that is a great movie. Yeah, that's really good. Maybe and I, we'll do I, it one time here soon. Uh, I don't just don't know with what. We won't do it. Maybe another Blumhouse. Yeah. That would probably be more most appropriate. There's actually another good Kevin Bacon Blumhouse movie. It's called uh, You Should Have Left. Is that what you were being told about eight minutes into this movie? It was, thir- it was, thir- it was 13, oh, it was 13. Min- That's What right. I specifically wrote in my notes was 13 minutes in. I hate this movie, and I hate you, Nathan, because I wanted to watch the Blumhouse version, but I'll see how I feel in two hours. I like the wiener count 10. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> That's... It's like you're marking the days like you're stuck in prison. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I felt. I'm going to have to see his dick a number, a certain number of times before this movie's over. Let's see. <laughs> Ten. Uh, Ten. Do you think this movie would have uh, been made today? Not with the Me Too movement. No, it would have There's... been made the way Blumhouse did it. Yeah. But I'm just talking about the subject matter of this movie. It's oh, you mean like, he's just an yeah, excuse this for is, him to become a rapist? Yeah, this is Paul Verhoeven's way of getting out his voyeuristic fantasies. Is that what his point was with Maybe? this? I was trying to see what his point was with the movie, because his point is... Usually he has points. And they're this really one, fucking obvious. And with this, this one, one is, is it just, just like toxic the masculinity, only, I guess, the, is bad? Toxic mas- masculinity and the fact that if no one is there to watch you, literally or figuratively... Yeah. <laughs> uh, w- what are you going to do? And to be honest, it falls flat as a Verhoeven movie, in my opinion. Oh yeah, the, definitely. The violence isn't something that I something that I read. He said that he was surprised. Yeah, looking back, why he made this movie, he's like, twenty other directors could have made this movie. I don't know why I did. And I'm like, yeah, for at that time frame, you were still kind of big. It's, Last thing he had done was Showgirls um, or uh, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, which is not bad. It's very tongue in cheek. Yeah, uh, I've only seen like half of that. Like right after it's, it came out. Yeah. Uh, it's an acquired taste type of film for that one. But I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I can't imagine any veterinarian in their right mind would have ever allowed any type of testing. And Like, wow. I can't see any vet 
agreeing to any of the work that they're doing. Yeah, no. <laughs> I could just picture the, the board meeting. All right, gang, we're going to make things invisible. Yes, Simpson, you in the back. Uh, why? Because they'll be invisible. Why? I understand the purpose of why you would want to do it. Like why, why you would think the government would want this. Super soldiers. Correct. But not on gorillas and dogs. Like he fucked that dog up in that one. Like, I don't think he's going to be okay. That was a cool, <laughs> that was a cool shot. Like there's some there's some. At cool, least it was like no matter. I don't care if it's a special effect or not. There's no good way to watch a movie when someone murders a dog. Like they thought ASPCA thought it was real. <sighs> Did they? Yeah, like they caught some. He caught some shit. And like what like, happened? I don't care if Kevin, it's animated. It's not. Real. Kevin Bacon picked up a real dog, swung right. it out of frame, and then was handed a fake dog that he bashed. But he caught he caught flack for depicting it on screen. It's like what. Not concerned about the fact that he just rapes an innocent woman, or he fucking. We don't care about that. Does the okie doke slip boob pop out of his other of his coworker? That was a CGI thing that looked weird. In twenty years, you notice that one. The, like, the visuals held up pretty well for this movie. But as a teenager, the, I just all I wanted was boobs to just randomly pop out of shirts. Yeah, but that's how it would have looked, I guess. I don't know. Verhoeven's direction of women is bad. borderline bad at best. It's like yes, look, bad at best. Borderline. Lay there like you horrible. Lay there and pretend to sleep like you want someone to take your boobs out of your shirt. Yeah. You know? Lay and there like, just kind of like mm, moan a little bit. Yeah. Like you fall asleep in your chair at your desk and you're going to sleep, but sleep sexy. Yes. <laughs> sleep aroused. Sleep like you want it. I mean, I guess we're talking about a lot of shit that doesn't work. Is there something specifically that doesn't work for you? The biggest pet peeve, as dumb as this is, video chatting is rarely that clear in 2021, <laughs> let alone in 2000. I have a hard enough time getting a decent broadband connection while working at home right now with all of the remote learning going on in my neighborhood. That right there is a fantasy. And then the other things that I wrote down here, a little bit of a pet peeve plot hole of mine has to do with the pink flesh-colored mold over Sebastian's head that looks I like, like Silly that. Buddy. I like No, that. no, it's not that. It's the application. I like that, yes, it kind of depicts the hollow man part as well. And I, like I like that. that. Was, I like that it was a modern kind of nod to the yeah, ace, yeah. ace bandage. It's not, it's not the concept. And it, it looks murdery and criminal. It's, it's the practicality of it. Number one, wouldn't that shit get all, get all stuck in your invisible hair that suddenly seemed to have disappeared when they poured it over his head? Except when they need him to have hair, yeah. like when he's bloody Yet, or wet. You can clearly see his invisible hair later in the film, like when, like when the smoke gets blown onto his face yeah. or when he's in the pool yep. or whatever. Yeah. Or when he's covered in blood. Right. Yeah. Number two, why did it take him so long to cut holes for his nostrils? <laughs> that bugged the shit out of me. It almost sounded like he. Anyway, it sounded like this. He did kind of sound like that, though. Depending on the scene, he sounded a little stuffed up. It's amazing what you can get away with if you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> and the third part is, why didn't they ever cut holes for his ears? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. I didn't even think about the ears. And the entire time, the ears never have holes in them. No, they don't. That's funny. I'm getting tired of just being a mouth breather. I need to breathe out of my nose, too, man. I don't like the joke-a-minute, joke quippy pace of his character. I don't like how he strolls everywhere. Like, it's just so over the top. I, I hate him. And I hate all of them, really. Like, for a second, I was like, hey, Josh Brolin. Oh, wait. He sucks in this, too. Uh, apparently, 
the one piece of trivia that I actually came across on this movie was that the film received three nominations at the 2000 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. I kind of like the Razzies better, but I don't think this is the Razzies. Right. Uh, worst on-screen group, the scientists. <laughs> <laughs> because it's true. I mean, they're all like, yeah, whenever they get whatever right. And yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all underdeveloped. They're all they're all horribly underdeveloped. Worst screenplay for a film that grossed over a hundred million dollars using Hollywood math. It's criminal. Uh, it actually grossed almost two hundred worldwide. Jesus! But it cost uh, like ninety five million to make. Uh, and most unintentionally funny movie. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Because it does. Like, Jerry Goldsmith's score makes the movie seem more serious than it actually feels. Given some time, I could go back, have have a couple friends over and some drinks or something, and watch this and give it the MST3K treatment. Ooh, okay, I could see that. But And it was billed, when it came out, it was billed as like a... It was like a big a, sum, like late a, summer like, hit. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was billed as like a thing, man. Like, yeah. a, like ooh. He's a, he's a creepy sort of anti-Me Too guy, but... Becoming invisible makes him a full-on rape face. Like his character doesn't really have any break. His, his character doesn't. Ever... Yeah, that, I, I get into a little bit of that with the magic wand, and then also just with my final thoughts as well. Do you have a favorite line or scene? <laughs> the only one that kind of made me laugh was the the back and forth between the vet and Sebastian. Where he says, "Well, your objections have been duly noted and summarily overruled." Yes, sir. How come when you say yes, sir, it kind of sounds like fuck you? <laughs> Practice. It's not a bad line. That's not a bad one. Yeah, his, yeah. His, uh, he has a line that he says right when they're about to invisible-aid him. Uh, he says, if I die, I pretend I said something deep and clever. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and a lot of the visuals are still... They hold up pretty well. Pretty damn like good. Like I said, and, other than the digital boob that you... I noticed that one this time. You yeah. thought maybe someone was fondling her with blue hands or something that they would... <laughs> take out and it wasn't it just was he's, a digital you guys boob. couldn't see this but he's holding up his left hand and he's making like the boob squeeze tune in tokyo tune in uh, tokyo yeah. uh thing like i i can't visualize this lady's boob i can picture it perfectly yeah. already but <laughs> i didn't do a recast on this one either i did a magic wand and uh okay i was a little drunk when i wrote this <laughs> it's not bad you know what would be a cool magic wand is if you could actually take not it doesn't have to be this movie you could you could be a better cast and a better directed movie, but see what the actual real world implications would be of having an invisible soldier, like this program he's got works and they figure out how to turn it on and turn it off, and you see like real political assassinations and you see like yeah governmental changes like coups and shit like that. All these movies allude to it, but you never see anybody explore that. Yeah, that would be... It always just ends up being what evil lurks in the heart or what, what truly lurks in the heart of the the character that has become invisible. Yeah. With Chevy Chase, it's the nature of sadness or, you know, love. Yeah. With this guy, he's now got a blank check to rape whoever he wants. Uh, with the... I think his name's Sebastian in the Elizabeth Moss version, uh, too. It, it might be, but... Some douche yeah. name like that. Um, his is just all about control controlling his the world around him and keeping keeping a a woman under his thumb for lack of a better term but it's all like super localized individual emotional shit right or is it make it where the guy's fucking 100% on board with it and he's just a he's a stone cold killer and we're we're toppling governments 
That I would like to see. My magic wand was hand the script over to Andrew Kevin Walker, who was still a hot commodity after writing 7, 8mm, and Sleepy Hollow, and have him do a full rewrite. I think you would definitely end up with a much darker film, tonally, sure, um, but one where you would get better developed characters and where you would get to watch your lead character descent into a maddening hell because of his choice that he made. You know, sure. You just don't see that in this movie. What they tried to do with memoirs, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be good. Oh, I didn't. We didn't do my. Uh... Oh shit! <laughs> uh, two sentence summary. My two sentence summary. <laughs> Maybe a little long, because uh, they're compound. Sentences or of course, something? you found a way to make your two sentence summary fucking long. <laughs> Strap in, gang. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Sebastian Kane is a sexually obsessed and often frustrated molecular biologist who takes pleasure in torturing animals and harassing his employees while trying to be the first scientist to create an invisibility serum. His government funded project goes awry when, without approval, he takes the serum himself. So he can pursue his lifelong dream of spying on women who are on the toilet, raping his unsuspecting neighbor, <laughs> and brutally murdering his staff. And a dog. And a dog. Spying on women who are in the bathroom. <laughs> That's not funny. I know. But him spying on women. <laughs> but it's happened. Chuck Berry <laughs> is piss watcher. Chuck Berry is Cleveland steamer. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, you use a lot of connecting words to. I know. Technically, make I had your commas. Shit a, a I had commas. They work, but no, I'm going to work better on making them more like two sentences. Mine were two sentences, Dick. Technically, uh, the last, uh, the last act of the movie, Lisa called the final act uh, "Attack of Slim Goodbody." <laughs> Do you remember Slim Goodbody? I don't. Okay, hold on. I'm going to. I have a picture right here. What is that from? Okay. Um, Put that link that up in. The, I will. Um, Slim Goodbody is a fictional character created and performed by John Burstein. Burstein created the character in 1975. He performs wearing a sometimes white, sometimes peach-colored unitard with various tissues, organs, and organ symptoms systems. Excuse me, painted in biologically accurate locations and sizes. And each costume costs about four thousand dollars today. Jesus. But. He started in like the mid seventies. Educational, and you, yeah, educational stuff, and yeah, I remember seeing him on television. As far as trivia goes, there's a decent amount. Just but not a, interesting. A lot of the dude, I'll be honest, a lot of the trivia were like big, long fucking things that I just a wasn't going to read last night, right? And write down, and b if you want to know that bad, usually when they're that long, it's someone goes into way too much detail on something that is not that interesting. Correct. So I. So what I've done here is I've called. I agree with your. I've called the editing. half dozen or so. I've called the half dozen or so uh, bits that I thought were interesting, and also quick fire. Six pack trivia. Um, some quick also rans. Guy Pierce, Edward Norton. I could see Edward Norton. I could probably see Guy Pierce doing it as well. Uh, and Jennifer Lopez. As. Yeah, no. I mean, I get why. I wouldn't mind seeing her no. be, like, fake naked and invisible. Just watch, like, last year's halftime show. <laughs> oh, yeah. People got mad about that. Uh, um, I, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, 
Do you know what the software is they're using to track him? It has quantum in it. <laughs> no, it's OC, oh. it's OCP software. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, that's a good little nod. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, all the, all the trivia for this was super long-winded, so that's that's most, mostly what I have. Um, but one last thing, the uh, body count. On with the body count! Seven. It is seven. Is it seven? Yeah. Did you have a favorite kill? I didn't actually write it down, but... I did. The one that was actually the kind of the most gruesome was the the girl that got spied on when she was peeing and then got choked to death because she kind of had that busted out eye. Yeah. And that one was... Ugh. That one was... One gets a crowbar through the stomach. Uh, vet gets her neck broke after she gets shot with a tranquilizer. What happens to... Who guy, else dies? And then one guy... Um, oh, um, Holopenis is up on the vent, uh-huh. the duck work or whatever, and he runs him into the, he runs his head into the wall and he gets cut in the neck and is bleeding out and dies. Clearly it made an impact because I don't Clearly. remember it. <laughs> uh, I said before, just, oh, I hate this movie. It doesn't hold <laughs> up. But, um, so what you're saying is it doesn't hold up. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on this movie? Uh, I feel like Hollow Man is really a misfire from the director of Total Recall and Robocop. Uh, the characters are one-dimensional, almost as hollow as the main character. <laughs> Yay! Uh, zing! Uh, but what bothers me most about this film is how it's lacking in substance. Usually yeah. Verhoeven is, like we talked about it a little, like he's known for blending great visuals and ultraviolence with some type of thought-provoking ideals, you know, like a satirical take on corporate big business and American consumer culture. Unfortunately, you don't get any of that here, but rather a straightforward sci-fi thriller turned horror due to the depravity of a single arrogant sex-crazed character with way too much power who is focused on voyeurism. Did the invisibility turn Sebastian Kane into a murderous psychopath, or was that already underneath the surface waiting to present itself? It just focuses on his obsessions. <laughs> it just focuses on his obsession with molestation, rape, and murder. Yeah, and titties is what I first put down. <laughs> and titties, I like that. <laughs> it's the most two thousands version I, of the Invisible Man that they could possibly have made. Yeah, it's got bad hair, bad acting, bad outfits. Does have some good effects for the most part. Oh yeah. Um, in this day and age, I think it's a dumb shit plot. Like you said, there's nothing to it. And I think, like we said earlier, the only thing that could possibly resemble any sort of overt point that Verhoeven typically likes to make is that why don't you check your toxic masculinity? This movie blows. Everyone in it blows. The director blows. I hope they all at least got mad fucking paid for it. I would hope so. I'm sure someone got a residual check for me watching it on Hulu. <laughs> I rented it on Amazon. <laughs> I paid two ninety nine for this piece of shit. Here's a nice piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. That said, let's get into a chaser here. I've got. All right, we're gonna just, we're just gonna keep sticking, gang. With um, gonna keep sticking with the one chaser. Dennis in St. Louis wants to know what is your favorite. We've kind of covered this, but I pulled it out of the envelope, so we're going to answer it anyway. What's your favorite soundtrack? I, I, I have an answer that's, that's going to surprise you, and it's your, you're not maybe going to know what it is, but it's not The Crow. Can't say The Crow. I'll go first while you think of yours. We'll keep that. Go first, because I'm trying to pick up something that I really like that's not the five, excuse me, six that we talked about before. My, my favorite is the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. Okay. Uh, it also acts as, like we said in the soundtrack episode, it acts as a minor 
version of the movie where if you've seen the movie enough, you know where you're at at this point when this song comes on. So you can watch the movie in a condensed version almost. Yeah. But it's also, it also serves almost as a score because that movie's almost a musical. Actually, it is a musical, but uh, I just came to that movie so young and I love it. I've got that soundtrack on my phone. I've got it on CD. I've got it on vinyl. It's one of those. Got it on 8-track. If I could find it on 8-track. It came out in 75. Well, I don't know when the soundtrack actually would have come out, but the movie came out in 75. Mm. So, Nathan, what is your uh, favorite soundtrack from a movie? I'm not sure. Because <laughs> it's really hard to pick the if I'm trying to avoid what I already picked before. Shit. Would... I'd probably go with uh, Robert Rodriguez's uh, Desperado. Oh, okay. Is that a score or a soundtrack? No, it's a soundtrack. Okay. I have a lot more scores than I do have soundtracks, and I was trying to avoid... I know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know you know. It's fun, and it's kind of like... It It follows the same path as Pulp Fiction, where you kind of get that condensed movie. Sure. Does he put, with... does he put leaders of like scenes at the beginning of some and at the yeah. end of others? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. You guys want to get your chaser question in to us. That goes to lisa.sixpack. <clears throat> Let's try that again. It goes to lisa.sixpack at gmail.com. She, as well as we, also will take your suggestions for future pairings, future pick six ideas. Mm-hmm. We are currently experiencing no shortage of uh, stuff to do for future episodes. So, Yeah, um, I think we're... We are all we're out of stickers. Well. Uh, t-shirts are gone as well, so... I'm hoping by the time that this posts, we're going to have at least some new stuff. New stuff. Yeah. Because Nathan got a uh, pretty sweet six-pack double feature hat for Christmas. One of a kind, truly. No one else has one. Uh, if you would like something similar to that, let us know. You can maybe take in an order or see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, like us. Rate us. Review us. Recommend us. Recommend us. If you sure. like us, just share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Share it on Twitter. Share it. Just share it with a friend. Tell one person. Yeah. You don't have to like them. They yeah. just have to like us. Yeah, that's it. Staff the Morse. Six Pack Double Feature is a Copec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it. Oh.